I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. One hour, three women, all the opinions we can muster in that time. I'm Harriet Minter and I am joined today by my delightful, gorgeous, beautiful and oh so festive co-hosts, the lovely Emma Sexton. Emma, how are you this week? I'm great, Harriet. Thank you very much for that lovely intro. How was your weekend? Drunk and disorderly. Too many Christmas parties. I literally drunk every single day. For somebody who's normally teetotal, that was quite a lot. Yeah, so you're going to be full of life today. I sure am full of life today. It was fun. The power of vodka. (laughs) And my other lovely co-host, the wonderful Natalie Campbell. Hello, my love. Hello, darling. How are you? I'm good. A bit under the weather. I think I've got this cold that's been going around. I think, you know, most people have had it. So now when I meet people, I'm like, don't kiss me, don't hug me. And they give me that look of of death, like, yep, had it, don't want it. Um, But no, really good. I've spent the last two weeks traveling i was in ireland doing a talk at twitter and then i went to serbia and i was hanging out in belgrade looking at um corporate responsibility there so i feel like i've had a a good end to the year we've been quite a global group the last month you were in la i was in la i loved that it was so beautiful it was really sunny it was a bit chilly which i was disappointed with um obviously all about the weather i did some great stuff i did a drumming circle on the beach me loads of hippies some drums somebody with a seashell like literally kind of making a horn out of a seashell the sun was setting it was amazing and what celebrities who did you see oh i saw some great celebrities so i saw jesse williams fit fit from Grey's anatomy get it uh tay diggs oh know. he would who get was that? it I google him <laughs> Google him. Google him. Love. Although, now nah, I'm going to be honest, he was quite short and a bit skinny. Okay, so I knew the really short sad. bit, but not the skinny bit. But it I would still objectify him. I'm, I won't discriminate there. Yeah. And most beautiful man I've ever seen in real life, and I was not expecting it, Topher Grace. Topher Grace? Do you not people? I don't know who that is either. From the early 2000s in a load of bad teen movies. No, okay. Oh, we had to we had to Google him. Okay. He I'm looks really like the sixth form boy. He is cute in the picture. But yeah. I was so excited to see all these celebrities and everyone I tell them about is like, no, who, who, what, no. <laughs> so clearly my celebrity spotting is not that good. Anyway, I had a lovely time in LA, but we are back now and we are ready to pick up where we left off. And this is our last show of 2016, ladies. Aww. Aww, sad times. It's been a very exciting year. So we're going to do a bit of a recap of the year, but we're going to start with our usual news roundup. So tell me what has been getting your goat, irritating you or just generally intriguing you in the last week. Now. 
So I'm going to start with the the story, uh, which I think has played out throughout 2016, and and that's women and how we present ourselves, but specifically makeup. Uh, and Chimamanda Ngozi um, is advertising uh, number set boots number seven. And in all of her talks, I saw one that she did at um, a university in the, the US. She talks about the fact that she uses and she wears makeup, specifically lipstick, to bring her personality out, to bring her best self to the table. It's something that she thoroughly enjoys. Whereas on the other hand, we've had a movement of celebrities, i.e. Alicia Keys, take, you know, taking and embracing this no makeup movement because they are tired of having to dress up and hide what, what they call their imperfections. And I struggle on this, as, as you know, because I'm a woman that loves some, some, some good lippy, because I, I, I think polish is, is, is important, whether you're male or female. But I'm not in the school of, you know, the contouring, the six layers, the, the three hours yeah, in front of the Yeah, that freaks me mirror. out. Everyone looks the same. Like, and they do it to, to not look the same. But ultimately, yeah. they all do. They all look something like between mannequin. a Kardashian sister or Kardashian Jenner sister. The eyebrows are the same. Like, yeah. I love an eyebrow on fleek. I, I only learned this language, like, in the last year. I'm not that cool. You're so down with the kids. <laughs> I know, right? With the 13-year-olds. Uh, and But I don't wear, wear foundation. But I will always you know put on a poppy lip and that's it you know mascara and I'm out the door I tried to do the eye flick thing and it just went wrong we were in New York remember and oh, yeah. I bought all the stuff to do it I've never done it since so I love a bit of makeup mm. I really do I have no talent for it whatsoever because I'm not artistic so I just throw it on but somebody did teach me how to contour a while ago and that has changed my has life it? yeah well I no longer have to dye it to get rid of the double chin I just block it out <laughs> with a bit of foundation <laughs> it's amazing um, but the thing I was quite interested in particularly about Chimamanda is mm-hmm. that she is obviously famous for writing a book about feminism yes and we tend to think that feminism is a bit anti-makeup or anti-that appearance Anti-shaving. Of. Anti-shaving, anti-bras. Yeah. But, I, but in terms of the feminism debate, I, we have moved on. And her book, uh, or, or sort of the, the, the brochure, is We Should All Be Feminists. And it goes through her opinion that feminism is about supporting the sexes. It's about supporting equality. It's about <laughs> supporting individual choice. And... Uh, well, we had this conversation a few years ago and when I was younger I wouldn't would never have called myself a feminist because of that narrative of you know n- not wearing a bra and not shaving and and the family being the site of oppression all of the things that you learn in university and it's absolute bullcrap actually feminism is about sisterhood it's about what we've got it's about having a squad it's about supporting women f- for the decisions and the choices that they, they make regardless that's definitely feminism for me is about actually just you know defying all these uh things that you should do and you should do this that have been created and a lot of those things have been created through the male gaze and actually being like well if you want to wear loads of makeup great but do it because it feels like a Mm self-expression not because you're trying to fit in with what society is deeming beautiful which is what i feel this contouring is it's what instagram is telling you is a is a definition of beauty you know the way you wear your makeup your lipstick is part of your overall style Mm -hmm. so you know that's uh, yeah it's more of the individual expression isn't it I love that idea of makeup as a creative expression because when we were walking here today walking to the studio today Emma we saw this guy or you saw this guy incredible makeup yes he had full drag makeup so dressed like a rocker he was like nearly seven foot tall he had full on drag makeup like beautiful drag makeup and then a long grey beard and he was about in his early 20s so there were so many things there that jarred with me visually Mm -hmm. but I loved it I 
thought, yeah. first of all, he you was in Santa do. Claus costume. And then, and then, I, and then I didn't want to stare too much. And then I realised that 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 was his expression. And, yeah. and then it was cool. Yeah. But initially, I was like, oh, Sa- Santa, someone messed up Santa's face. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's Santa and Panto. Maybe he was the yeah, local maybe, Panto. Maybe, but that was a that was a bold look. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's what um, I think it's Catelyn Moran talks about how makeup should actually be just an expression of creativity. And mm-hmm. if you give kids makeup both sexes will play with it because they just want to throw colour on stuff and we should get back to enjoying it for that yeah and colour makes a a big difference to how you feel you know like just I can totally see it like I love lipstick but I just find it really high high maintenance but when you have that colour or like I went through a whole stage of always painting my nails and having some nail art Mm -hmm. and it made me happy because I could just see my nails like all the time so it's definitely something about colour making you feel good but I want to one of the 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 paragraphs from um, the the We Should All Be Feminist text is is this line Uh, our culture teaches us that if a woman wants to be taken seriously then she should she should not care too much about her appearance and it's also the line that's in um, the Beyonce flawless song at, at the beginning and that for me is is the tension that if a woman does take care of herself and uh, you know present herself in a certain way then people make an assumption that she's not smart and I think that's where I agree with the Alicia Keys of this world that beauty and that kind of over amplifying your appearance is does become a distraction so it distracts from the music if I'm standing here with big hair and big lashes and all of this stuff where actually what you should be listening to what you should be paying attention to is my art form and that's where I I kind of I flip backwards and forwards on the makeup versus no makeup and I don't think either of them is wrong and I think that's really interesting because that's about stripping it back to what is it you're doing here like what's really going on and I think that kind of feeds into our next news story Emma which is kind of the opposite where somebody's decided to accentuate something that probably doesn't need yeah, it. I can't actually believe that this has happened because I feel like we've come an awful long way in a short space of time even though it should have happened about 10 years ago but there was a, a news story this week about the FA um, coming up with a concept We're trying to get more women into football great but they the way they've done it is to supply uh, pink uh, whistles bibs that smell nice um, just like I just can't believe we're still pinking it and shrinking it which is basically like what's been happening the past few years whenever a company or brand wants to appeal to women it's like well we'll just put it in like Barbie pink and we'll make it a bit smaller make it smell nice and make it sparkly and there we've got now a whole product range designed for women so they've used this approach for the FA there were even things like let them have a break to go on social media and do some tweeting. So it's almost like somebody's gone, well, women are quite social, so I've got a good idea. Let's let them have Twitter breaks. You don't have Twitter breaks when you're playing football. Yeah. Like, It's just complete misunderstood as per normal. It really winds me up. But you know how this happened, right? Twelve men were in a room and they were like, oh, we need to do something about those women. Pink. Pink! Way! Pink! <laughs> Yay! Great idea! But, Down the pub. That's how it happened. But even if but even if that had happened, right, there was quite a lot of things produced. There were some posters. There was a guidelines book. There were the whistles. There were lots of people involved in this process. Was there not at any point someone, male or female, going, this is bonkers? And it just happened. How does that happen? 
But yeah. I think it's really important that we kind of encourage people to stand up and say, this is bonkers, because what's happened there isn't necessarily male or female, it's groupthink. Yeah. So it's when yeah. you get a group of people together and they are scared to challenge the dominant opinion. And actually, they're a bit behind because the current new phase is rose golding it, not pinking it. <laughs> so if the F were really on the ball, they would have made all those whistles ro- rose gold because that's what a toothpaste manufacturer has decided to do. And if I see one more thing that is rose gold for women... I probably will just sling it across the shop. <laughs> They're making rose gold toothpaste. Yes, apparently. Because Not toothpaste. That is uh, a toothbrushes. That is a toothbrush that women need. Do you know what? Please, brands, if you're listening to the show, will you make a product that works for me as a woman? Will you just get inside my world and understand the kind of products that I need rather than make something look pretty and put it in rose gold? Because that is not what I want. £200 it is. What? Do you know what? Is it rule? It's, yes, it's real. Do you want one? It's not real gold. It's, no, it's just so got they're rose just gold charging on. me two hundred pounds. They're charging for a you two hundred pounds for a toothbrush that is rose gold I'm because you'll like it because you're a girl. I'm still on. It's two hundred pounds, and it's a toothbrush. But it's the same if you go to Apple and you want a rose gold laptop, they upcharge it for <gasps> rose gold. Yeah, because we're women. It, it's a woman tax. Yeah, it's a woman thing again. Another one. It's the system. <laughs> you know how this happened? There was a room full of men. No, no. They said. <laughs> Way we need something for the women. Okay, we need to protest. No one buy rose gold. <laughs> I do quite like. I quite like rose gold actually. <laughs> My iPhone is rose gold. But Mine too. <laughs> the odd, the odd thing, rose gold. Not everything. Like it is the new strategy. There's a place for rose gold. Not on my toothbrush. There is a place for it. Like maybe on our iPhones or on a small laptop. But, um, not Piece on a toothbrush. Not on I've t- got that same rose gold phone. Yes. <laughs> We've moving all on. got the same phone, basically. <laughs> and it is rose gold. So, moving swiftly on from that argument that we've just lost with ourselves. <laughs> that happens every week. <laughs> it does happen every week. Um, so, our final story this week is um, one that I'm going to talk about because I feel personally attached to it. And it's Emily Ratajowski's. I hope I've said that right, Emily. Apologies if I haven't. Emily Ratajowski's, who is um, the model. She was in Blurred Lines. Oh, She's she is hot. Super hot. Mm. Super, super hot. And um, she did a photo shoot many years ago, which was naked. And the photographer has now taken and produced a book of naked photos of her and sold it without her permission. So technically, the photographer, I think, owns the photos, but she did not know this was going to happen. She hadn't given license them to be used in this way. So she is now really angry because she feels that it's actually a kind of violation of her body and her rights. Yeah. So we say yes, but lots and lots of people on Twitter and social media are saying that actually, because she is, you know, quite out there with the naked photos and she posts them on Instagram quite regularly and she has no problem stripping off, that she's sort of lost control of her own body and what happens to it and whether or not she has any right to protest about that. She absolutely does. Somebody is monetizing her. Like, they are, but the question is, by basically forming a career on the back of being naked which is kind of what she has done you know her whole career started around her being the hot girl in blurred lines it was the first thing we said about her it's what everyone knows her for she has taken a whole career off getting naked essentially 
And so if somebody else is making money on the back of that, is that that bad? Yeah, because it's yeah. expression. Her nakedness or her her body is her brand. It's. I mean, I'm just thinking about if you were an illustrator, for instance, and you did lots of drawings, maybe you did lots of doodles in somebody's notebook and you become a famous illustrator and then they publish all your illustrations and they make money or they put them on T-shirts. That's okay? Are you saying that because that person just doodled in that book because they like drawing, that actually those doodles are for anybody to make money from? No, but what I am saying is that I feel like with this level of, I don't want to say level of self-expression, but certainly the fact that she makes money off her body. That's where she makes her money. And I appreciate that that's her brand. But the flip of that is then she's also writing a lot of articles about feminism and what she thinks of it and how she thinks it defines her. And I sometimes feel there's a little bit of a contradiction in terms. And I'm all for everyone having the right to their own body and being able to express it in any way, shape or form that they wish. And why is that so, Harriet? Do you have something (laughs) to confess? So I told the girls this just before we came on air and we haven't discussed it because the looks are so shocked. Lots in common. Me and Emily have something in common, which is, which we are going to find out (laughs) in the next part. And I'll tell you, it is not our bra size. (laughs) But I will tell you after a break. So we were talking about the things that I have in common with supermodel and all-round glamour muse Emily Ratajkowski, and it is this. So back in my 20s, I had a very good friend of mine, and we went out for dinner one night, and we were chatting. We'd had a few glasses of wine, and she said, would you ever pose naked? And because I'd had a few glasses of wine and because I'm not one to back down from a challenge, I said, yeah, I'm sure I would at some point. And she said, great, my friend's a photographer and he's having an exhibition and he's looking for models. I'll email him now and sign you up. And I, I'm not very good at backing out of stuff once I've said yes to it. So I was like, yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had this brief career in my 20s as a naked model. Love it. Where can we get those pictures? I'll show you. I'll show you them. They're I'm going to put them in a wait, book wait, and sell them. them. So, exactly. <laughs> right, going back to this point. Say, right, when, you know, you become famous and stuff if he puts them in if he says I'm now going to sell these photos of you how would you feel so on the one hand I would be you know I'd feel a little bit kind of like you're making money off of me Mm -hmm. but I also think when you're famous people are making money off you left right and center you know that's that's kind of that's what happens you get to a point where your brand is so big that people cash in on it um, I did also put in some quite serious clauses when I did it, where I was like, you're not allowed to sell it without my permission. It's not allowed to be published without my permission anywhere, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but also, the thing I would say is they are really beautiful. Mm. I'm really, really proud of them as a, a kind of group of photographs. They look amazing. I look amazing in them, which is something I hardly ever say about me in photos. And it was a really fun experience. I really, really enjoyed it. But then I took a decision, which was, do I want to spend the rest of my life as a naked model? And as someone who's like 5'2 and a size 16, I realised it probably wasn't going to be a lucrative career for me (laughs) and that I probably needed to like do something else. But I also realised I didn't want to be judged for my body for the rest of my life. And I think that for me, that's what I find difficult about women who have made their careers purely through their bodies, which is you are just somebody's fantasy just somebody's fantasy and that's not who you are as a person i'd like to be someone's fantasy at the moment (laughs) 
I'm just saying. Yeah, but that's like personal. You'd want... Ah, okay. So you'd want to be the fantasy of somebody that you liked. If there was some random guy... <laughs> yeah, no, not so much. Yeah, exactly. Unless it was Idris Elba. And then he <laughs> was random, so random because I don't know him. <laughs> but, you know, he put it on Twitter and fine. Um, but I, I can empathise with what you were talking about. My friend and I... So I went to university in Lancaster and we used to drive down to Preston to go and work in Brown's nightclub, which was fabulous. And they put on hip hop and we'd like, we were never promo girls. So there was no like skimpy, clothing, well, bit of boob, but of, I yeah. didn't have much boob. So anyway, so we go down there and on the way we'd, we'd always say if we were stranded and we needed to get like on holiday and we needed to get home, we'd get our asses on the pole because we used to drive past a strip club in Preston and it was consistent. And my friend actually was stranded and ended up on a pole on the other side of the world but it's always been in the back of my mind I mean I say this to people and they're like ah, but that you know that's terrible I'm like no it's actually, actually an art form have you ever did so, I've been to Spearmint Rhino exactly. and watched like me and my friends had a girls night out at Spearmint Rhino about 10 years ago as a bit of a dare and the women in there doing the pole dancing were phenomenal I went for like, my 21st birthday phenomenal yeah. so I went the, to New York and the other thing that I did club. in my 20s was that I briefly joined a burlesque troupe and it's all coming out all coming out, out all like, coming out I really briefly joined a burlesque troupe and I loved it right I loved the expression I loved the creativity but what was really fabulous about it was that it was female controlled and written and dominated and it mm. wasn't done to be sexual it was done as a kind of provocation a kind of art and nobody was relying on it for money that was the other thing right so and that's where I kind of I worry about what we teach young girls which is like if you're stuck for money you can always sell your body love like, that's, yeah oh. but, but but that's where we started it but in my mind it was more about I know how to make my own money. Yes. And if the pole is, is the last option, it's not I felt powerful <clears throat> enough to get on a pole. If you're desperate for money and that's your only way, that's not so good. But if you're making a choice, like Emily's making a choice. She is a model. You know, if you like you can choose to make money out of your out of your body. And yeah. why should you not? Good point, Emma Sexton. Very good point. Why should you not? I yeah. don't know. I just I wonder if where this takes us is to the place that we are now in at the end of 2016 where it feels like particularly kind of post-american election that women have become very sexualized and about one thing and that saddens me but what we are going to look at now is kind of how we feel 2016 has been for women as a whole mm. right so um we're coming to the end of the year it's our final show and um, we wanted to celebrate some of the really great things that have happened for women this year and some of the things that maybe we're going to leave behind when we leave this year. So, Nat, for 2016, what has been your kind of woman of the year highlight? This is going to sound odd because 2016 has felt sort of apocalyptic in a way. But I think the whole year has been a highlight in terms of women finding their voices. So women standing up in all industries and saying, I, I should, I demand to be paid exactly the same as my male colleagues. And that's in, in terms of, you know, women on TV, women on stage. Uh, we've had a whole host of, of women in politics, you know, whether or not Clinton, you know, could have been an amazing um president will never know but just the fact that we had a woman at playing you know on that level of stage uh in a time when basically i, I haven't apart from thatcher i haven't seen that much interest in a woman in a female figure in, in politics that isn't 
an, an actress. Or, and I think that's amazing. I also think women, we did reclaim our bodies and we've had much more interesting and honest conversations than we've ever had. It's, it's okay to say badass. It's okay to say I'm a badass woman. I don't feel like this would have been possible in 2015. We would have had to have hidden our amazingness and our brilliance and I'm sorry we're amazing and brilliant so I think we should just be able to say it yeah I've just loved that I feel for a long time there's been this like rumble of people and it's been building and building and this year it feels like a lot of the things that were not mainstream have become mainstream a lot of the things that even women weren't really seeing because they were so conditioned to how things have been have had an awakening and seeing stuff so there's stuff really changing I think what I want to see is that same awakening happening with the men next year because I still feel like the women are on it but there's a lot around men being still being super defensive about it can't go actually yes I can see it now you know being open to that change so I really want to see that rumble kind Mm. of you know and I do think there's something about women really particularly in the last few weeks really having an an out there voice so I was just thinking in the last two weeks alone Serena Williams published that amazing letter yes. about what it's like to be a woman in the sports industry and what it's like to be judged for your body and how she felt about it and why she is so annoyed with being the greatest sportswoman of all time. Mm. Madonna gave a speech basically saying that it was okay to be a woman in the pop industry as long as you were young and pretty and did what everyone told you. Mm-hmm. And the second you became old, people stopped playing your music and how unfair that was. And how, I mean, she had this beautiful quote. She was like, you know, David Bowie was my hero because he showed you that everything was possible. And then I realized everything was possible if you were a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was a mm, brilliant coming really from powerful, her. Really that talk. And then um, the other one I saw was Tina Fey talking at the Women in Hollywood Breakfast. And in it, she, you know, she lampooned really big producers and directors people that control movie studios she calls them out on their behavior against women she made a really pointed angry joke about the last tango in paris scandal she she's has really like gone out there and she has said you know, she can only do that now because she's got a level of power but the fact that she's using that power to say this is not okay and i am going to use my influence to change it I think is really incredible and I don't think we were there this time last year. Definitely no, not. I agree. Definitely not. Totally agree. I would like to so say the, the first line of the Serena Williams article that got me and I, I think she's amazing anyway but the first line is to all incredible women who strive for excellence. That's it. That is a brilliant opening line to an essay and then she goes into in, into the background so when I was growing up I had a dream I'm sure you did too. My dream wasn't like that of an average kid. My dream was to be the best tennis player in the world, not the best female tennis player in the world. And then the narrative is about this fact that she is working her butt off equally, if not more than a lot of men, but she's still put in this box of being female and being a woman. And I think 2016 has seen a lot more women saying, do not put me in a box. Do not tell me what I should think. Do not tell me who I need to be, whether that's, you know, friends of ours in the workplace. So remove it from being these big celebrities for a minute. Think about how many women that we know that are like, actually, I'm not going to do that job. I'm not putting up for being treated like this. I'm not putting up with, you know, working every hour God sends and then having to go home and look after the kids. I'm not putting up with being told what I can drink. We've discussed it on the show, what I can drink and what I can wear. And if my boobs are in or my boobs are out, I just don't care. Um, so I, I think it, 
it makes me excited for 2017. But also what I've realised is the, the female conversation, you know, I've been having this conversation for 10 years through all the stuff I used to do with uh, the She Says Network and it just seems so slow. It seemed like we were constantly wading through treacle. This year I feel like that's sped up but what I've really enjoyed and seeing is actually the diversity conversation has sped up even quicker Mm. so I really feel like the diversity thing is becoming a a bigger topic you know transgender uh, lesbian gay community all of that is now coming to the forefront as well so I'm just really excited about that fast tracking too and Emma are you seeing that speed with men as well a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Are you seeing it changing for them too? What do you mean by that? So we talked a little bit about how we wanted to see men taking this debate on in 2017, taking it forward. Are they now in a place where they're going to do that? Do that? I think it's really hard because there's a, so much conversation and everyone goes, uh, white males, white males, white males. And you're putting an awful lot of people into that box and assuming that all white males are not being helpful when actually it's not. It's a certain type typically white male who has influence but I think there's an awful lot of people kind of being vilified and probably feeling a bit shut down and a bit small and not sure you know it's very difficult to have a, be in a room when you're being called out as being the white male that's causing all the problems so I think we really need to like diffuse the anger and diffuse the, the terminology around around white males and you know I actually think there's been um kind of a, a backlash for since the US election about what it means to be a white man in today's society so one of my friends on Facebook posted this kind of open letter about how ashamed he was to be even associated in the same bracket, the same kind of category as Donald Trump because he simply didn't believe it. And I'm going to be honest, he is not my go-to for my male feminist comments, you know. <laughs> I really didn't think he was that sort of a guy, but he has reacted so strongly against it. And I feel like it's actually given men maybe a bit of a platform to say, no, I'm defining myself as something who is not this type of man. And I'm quite excited about that for the new year. I'm then excited about those men stepping up and championing issues for women, but also thinking about the role that they play to help everyone prosper. And we've had this conversation before. If we start to reorganise how workplaces operate, if we start to reorganise society as a whole into a more caring, mutually beneficial type you know, way of thinking, we will all do well. And and that's why you know, we can't run off on a track of 
of just focusing on, on women's only issues, we have to think about making society better for everyone. Yeah, that's definitely my and that, perspective. We need feminism. men for that. Yes. Yeah. And feminism for me is all about if we make it better for women, automatically we're making it better for men too. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I think that's what we're going to be doing in section three, making life better for everyone when we tackle your problems and give you the combined benefit of our wisdom and brilliance. Uh, so in section three, we'll be looking at badass balls up and we'll be answering questions on what to do when you think your boyfriend is cheating on you and be not whatever Nat is going to suggest and <laughs> how to make sure that you absolutely do not fail at your New Year's resolutions. I honestly and truly have the secret to this. I do. And I'll be revealing it in section three. So this is our Badass Balls Up section where we answer all your problems and give you all our wisdom and knowledge, some of which is not that helpful, just to pre-warn you. Um, so we're starting our first question for this week is one that I think we have all had at some point in our lives. Um, we have a friend who says she thinks her boyfriend is cheating on her. She's not sure. She doesn't know what to do should she confront him about it. That, what do you think? So the advice that I would give, and this is really important, everyone get your pen out, get your paper, because it's called the Kevin McAllister. The what? And it's basically, you need to rig the house. So when he comes home, you jack him up. From the moment he touches, so jack him up means, there's another word that I would, yeah. The place put there, but we're not going to. Uh, he touches the door handle and he feels pain. He opens the door and you blow his head off. But not so much to kill him, just just pain. Because that's illegal. Exactly. I do not condone violence. I'm a professional woman with lots of things that are very important. Don't condone violence at all. Uh, and then it keeps, it just continues. And then you might show him some evidence whilst you're standing at the top of the stairs laughing all of the other things that are happening as he's walking through the house trying to explain that he's not cheating. But if you think he's cheating, he is cheating. So the last one is, and I think this is the best, get some glue and put glue in all of his shoes and then put um, tack pins in. So, you know, the ones with the flat bottom <laughs> and the spikes. Yeah. And then just keep filling Do and filling and filling. At home. So that when he like puts his hand in... It, seriously they're just the pain levels and then he has to go and buy completely new shoes or you could just like tear up his clothes whatever but I think this is the best thing that you can do because the reason why I'm saying this it's the diffusion the best thing oh, no. it's, it's the diffusion of energy when you're angry you have to diffuse the energy so the best way to diffuse the energy if you don't actually want to go to jail is to kind of like set some um, traps up in the house. So I think oh, it's yeah. really important to point out here that Nat has no legal training whatsoever <laughs> and doesn't really know where the minimum level for going to jail is. Because I think you were in jail quite a while back. Uh, so if, if you don't want to home alone your boyfriend, but you just 
I want to have an adult conversation with him. Open the door. Throw out some suggestions. Emma. Oh, well, I'd be like, sweetheart, you know we've got a non-monogamy clause. Like, you didn't have to cheat on me. We could have had a discussion about it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I guess that's true. If if only we'd all had non-monogamy clauses in place from our third date onwards, nobody would be cheating on anybody. Seriously, have you ever had a boyfriend who has cheated on you? Yes. Yeah. yeah, emotionally cheating, which I think is actually worse yeah. than physically cheating. Did you know he was doing it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was really bad. And actually, I think the only thing you can do is walk away. What's the difference between emotionally cheating and physically cheating? Where is the line? Sorry, just back up. No, she just said the only thing you can do is walk away. I've just told you the Kevin McAllister. <laughs> After you've put the, the tacks in the shoes. No. Then we can walk away. Yeah. <laughs> or be escorted. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's the difference between emotionally cheating and physically cheating? And um, where would you draw the line? So I think... You can physically cheat, and that can be a one-night stand, can be a snog in a bar. To be honest, I that doesn't have any impact. Like, I'm not condoning it unless we've had a chat about it before. But, you know, that's okay. It's a whatever. But emotionally cheating is when somebody else has, a, um, has a, an emotional bond or connection to somebody else. So, actually, they're investing in another relationship apart from yours. And I think that's even more destructive because then your partner is sharing intimate um, details about their lives or with another person and even if they're not physical with that person that is still cheating have you ever looked through your boyfriend's phone no ever no I'm not a searcher I'm not I don't look through the, through your phone I would not search bills I've got friends that do that I'm like I wouldn't want someone to do that to me so I, I wouldn't I'd never do that I, although I would go with my girl. with my ex when I thought he was emotionally cheating I had access to his Facebook messages and I had a look because I was so concerned. But other than that, I would never. But there was there was so many alarm bells. I needed some, some proof to know if my gut instinct was right. You see, I always think I'm a journalist. So we're naturally nosy and we have advanced search skills. So <laughs> yeah. you're in trouble if you try and cheat my on me. My friends are like that. They're like, when you go around to somebody's house, have you looked in all his cupboards and worked out? Have you? Have you? And I'm like, no. What? Like, no, like, I just wouldn't I, do it. If I was left alone in anyone's bedroom for a significant period of time, I'd be having a rifle through their drawers. No, because I think I'm a bit like, I'll find out. If you're cheating on me, so, I will find out and I will just be done. You so are I'm never coming it. to my house. I know. If you le- Seriously, if you left me alone with your email account, I, I, I try not to read it, but it would be hard. <laughs> It'd be really hard for you me. You could read it. I'm very open. You could read my email. Thanks, okay. babe. I've got nothing to hide. I would have told you about it. If I was going to cheat on you, I wouldn't cheat. I'd just tell you I'm going to sleep with somebody else. So have a look at my email. It's fine. (laughs) Come and join in. (laughs) Love it. Okay. Um, What is our second problem of the day, Emma? Oh, yes. Our second problem of the day is, and I think it always happens this time of year, people set really good intentions. And a mate of mine was like, oh, it's coming to the end of the year. I suppose everyone's setting new goals and new resolutions. And I never keep mine. I was like, actually, there are some like mind hacks and tricks to make sure you achieve those goals. But I don't know what all of those are. But I know that you two do. (laughs) So I actually think that I am the world's expert on New Year's resolutions. I'll tell you why. So my birthday is on New Year's Eve. So I get a double whammy of New Year intentions and birthday intentions because there's really nothing to bring on the fear like New Year's Eve, ageing, lots of booze. (laughs) So I've got really good in these years about setting serious intentions. And the way that I've got good about it is that actually a group of my girlfriends and I, we have something called The Book. 
And each year we write down our intentions in the book. We have categories. So we have career. We have relationships. We used to just have sex, but now we're older, so we have relationships. (laughs) Uh, We have dreams. Um, We have health. So we have all these categories. We write down our resolutions in each category. And then at the end of the year, we go back and we grade each other on how well we have done that year. That sounds serious. Yeah, you get marks for effort and for achievement. All goals must be smart. So that's specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. Um, And actually, having somebody to hold you accountable makes you really on it, pushes you on it. It means you can't also can't come up with any silly shit that you're not going to do. I love that. End of year review. End of year Mm. review. That's the way to do it. That's how I do it. Nat, what about you? So my one is it usually involves being somewhere amazing. So you can really give yourself the space, basically putting yourself in a position of wonder. So you have the space to think about what you really want. The reason most people don't achieve their goals is because they're things they don't really actually want to do. They feel like they should do them or there's pressure to do them or they didn't do them five years ago. And it's like, oh, it's slightly too late. So being somewhere where you where you feel most comfortable with the least amount of pressure this year. Uh, will be Thailand um, so there's that and then as you know which is how we, we hang out sometimes I have a dinner for women and we get together and we talk about what we want and then everyone writes uh, a letter to themselves a card uh, which is a thank you card and it's thank you for all of the things you gave yourself in that previous year which is then posted back and women either choose to open them when they, they arrive or a year later and it's a way of setting the intentions for yourself and putting out there the things that you want, knowing that there's another group of women that will hold you to account. It's the accountability bit. It's it's figuring out what you want and then knowing that someone in six months' time or a year's time is going to say, what about that thing that, that, that you wanted? And this year was my first experience of those dinners because mm. I know you've been doing that a while. And, you know, I went to the first and it was great. Phenomenal women there wrote down the thing. And I was, you know, I was a bit like, OK, this is a nice thing to do. But actually, when we came back for like the other meetups and then you review, we all went around the table and reviewed where we were, where are we now? And then you got insights from everybody there. It was really phenomenal. And now I'm like, right, OK, I've got all this stuff to do before the next dinner in February. So that was really really game-changing actually for me this year thank you yeah oh you're welcome chicken. and there is something about having a group because they push you mm. so they push you to think bigger they push you to do more they push you to be really honest about what you do and don't want yeah. um although i have done i've just realized i had something really stupid on my new year's resolutions from last year that what i haven't that? so under the relationships category i'm the only one of this group of women that i do this with who is single mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes, you know, they'll go around the relationships and they'll be like, oh, you know, try and be kinder to my husband, try and find a weekend away with my husband. And sometimes if I've had a bit of drink, I get a bit, I just want to be a bit controversial. <laughs> what did you say? I said, I said, go to a sex club. Yes, Harriet, you need to make that happen. You need to make that well, happen. I've only got two weeks left to make it happen. We can make that happen. Thanks, Emma. Okay. <laughs> Put it on the list for... Friday. She's, she's on Friday. acting all bashful. I, I I learned some things sitting around a table with these two. Firstly, that sex clubs <laughs> exist because I didn't know, and then there's a term which has four letters in that I did not know anything about, and these two introduced it to me as well. So don't let Miss Minter fool you, listeners. She knew about these sex clubs. You've just been putting it off. I have. I've been putting it off. I okay, have, it's top I have, of the list for 2017. Yeah, I need to be accountable on it. You can hold me accountable everyone (laughs) (laughs) and so from sex clubs to something very similar 
the Conservatives. Nat. <laughs> That's <laughs> harsh. <laughs> Tell us what is going on in the Tory party and how they've ballsed up this week. So I'm really disappointed at this. This is a major balls up. Um, so the headline as I'm reading it uh, is that anti-feminist Tory MP Philip Davies elected to Parliament's Women and Equalities Committee. And then under it, uh, the subhead is the MP for Shipley has said more women should be sent to prison to achieve equality with men. This guy has been appointed to a committee to determine and talk about things that relate to women and people from diverse communities, of, of which he fundamentally hates. But he was voted in unopposed. So the balls up is... Did someone or a few people lose the plot or are they playing a smart game of put the sceptic on and if you can make them a believer then we'll get somewhere? I don't know, but I am just confused. Do you know what it is actually? It goes back to what we were saying before about nobody having the courage to say no. Mm. So somebody having a, oh, I've got this genius idea and just pushing it through with momentum and everyone's sort of looking at each other being like, it doesn't sound like a genius idea to me. And then it happens anyway, because nobody puts their hand up and says, this is a disaster waiting to happen. But then I'm ever the optimist and I'm like, actually, he is a sceptic, He, but he does represent the viewpoint of an awful lot of people. And an awful lot of people will respect him for those opinions. And if you can get him in there and then by him being really deeply entrenched in these issues and understanding them from a different perspective and he starts to change his viewpoint that you could change a lot of people's viewpoints but I'm ever the optimist so I just want to bring up something that's hot off the press in the time that we've been in the studio uh, it's come out on the Twitter sphere that the UN has dropped Wonder Woman over her looks now this is one of the very first stories that we discussed on this show and we weren't really here for Wonder Woman but now I think I might be because I don't like the title that the UN have dropped her over her looks because that's not the reason to drop her it's because she's not real yes. not because she looks yes. busty and has got a bit and of booty and yeah it, it was for lots of other reasons well they can always replace with Philip Davis right you know take one out put one in um so we're going into section four if you are a mother of six children and you're wondering if you too can have a huge career and build one of the most recognizable bridges in the uk it turns out you can um our backdated badass is going to be telling you how So each week we try and introduce you to a woman that history has kind of written out of the picture that we've forgotten about, but who has achieved incredible and great things. Um, and so this week, the fabulous Emma Sexton is going to be telling us all about Sarah Guppy. Emma. Yeah, so Sarah Guppy, she's kind of helped herself to be written out of the history books, uh, which I think is a lesson that we can all learn from that. But basically, she came up with a patent for a design for piling foundations, which sounds dull sounds dull but actually revolutionized bridge building so the um clifton suspension bridge could not have been built with basically her her paint and her ideas so she she changed from building bridges with kind of the arches that 
were then in the water but then they were at risk of flooding to creating a new way of doing a suspension bridge where you could have a, like just a pillar at both sides of the bridges I'm getting technical here I have no idea what I'm talking about but <laughs> the thing that she did she came up with this which was an incredible achievement but she basically um, when the people who were building the bridge approached her for permission to use this this invention she was like oh no don't worry about the fees you can just have it so she's just really generous because basically she believed at that time which is 1811 that women should not be boastful I hope nobody thinks that today because basically everyone forgot that she did this so she gave it away for free and she took no credit for it yeah which is phenomenal because it's been used across so many bridges it revolutionised bridge building but she was like no 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 you can just have it which I think is commendable but at the same time no one's heard of her you know she struggled she had six children she lost her her husband died she then married a toy boy he was 30 years younger and then he spent all her money so if she'd have been a bit less worried about being boastful the toy boy probably wouldn't have spent all her money I would say maybe she'd never really learned how to make good decisions smart woman but didn't really do well on the decision making yeah well, yep. she did marry a toy boy which is Emma's end life goal yes. yeah but he spent all her money so she didn't get the prenup sorted <laughs> did she exactly good point <laughs> So do we find, because I think this is quite a common thing for women generally, which is in the workplace, we tend not to get the recognition that perhaps some of our male colleagues do. Have, over 100 years later, have we still not learnt the lessons of Sarah Guppy? Well, I think as women, later. we want to create utopia. I can be at fault for that. I'm quite, I'm, I'm trying not to be as generous because I can be a bit like, oh no, if I give you this thing and it's going to make everything better, you can just have it. And that's kind of what she's done which is you know is great but I just don't think it does us any favours but that's different to um stepping stepping back or stepping aside and letting a man win or or take credit for what you do and I I think so personally I don't I don't play that game um and throughout my career if I think a man is being paid more or if I'm doing something and I think someone else, especially a man, is taking credit for it, I will step up and be like, uh, hello, no. We, we, we either have this conversation together or, you know, that was my idea. I will be the, no, that that was mine. And I can say that because it's important career-wise for people to know my input. Yes. I would not be in the positions that I'm in now if I wasn't very clear about my input. And for every interview that I go for, for a board role or other they say what was your contribution to x and therefore if it's not actually publicly written that my contribution was anything how how can i claim it how can i put it on my cv so it's been important for me to be able to own activities and you know reports and policies and all of this other stuff but will i actively give things away and ideas for the general good yeah but not to enable a man to progress his career over mine. No, and to build on that point, I think a lot of women get overlooked in the workplace um, because we're not taught to be boastful or big up our achievements. And when you're internally in an organisation, a lot about your success isn't necessarily about how hard you've worked. It's about how you PR yourself internally. Mm. And I think a lot of women, and I know I've done it in my career, where we head down, you work really, really hard and you you just don't put yourself forward and share those stories internally so then you get overlooked because other people are are doing that internal PR so so and also I think there's something about how we communicate so we do know that when men are talking about a project they will say I did this I did that I was responsible for 
Whereas women are more likely to say, so the team achieved or we did this or we were. And actually what we know is that if you're talking to a woman, if you're being interviewed by a woman, if that's you know your boss, you want to say we, the team, etc. Because they respond more favorably to it. But if you say that to a man, they're hearing, I didn't do anything. Mm. And that's a really, I think for me, a really important thing that we need to explain to both sexes, which is simply that just because that's what you're hearing, don't interpret it in this way. And just the flip of that is when we hear a guy saying, I did this, I did that, I did the other. And as a woman, I can get a bit like, did you, mate, really? And actually just understanding that that's what they've been brought up culturally to do. And Mm. that's what we expect from them. And so giving some leeway on both sides. Yeah, we definitely need some more workshops that are not about workshops for fixing women in the workplace, but workshops that are just basically opening everybody's eyes to different, you know, uh, behaviour, gender gender bias. I, I thought you were going to say fixing men and then I had the, the sort of a flash of being neutered in my mind. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, it's just, I thought I'd share that. Men are getting a tough in. time today, Natalie. Are you okay? No, they're not. I'm just <laughs> sharing what was in my mind. Men of London, be careful on the streets tonight. <laughs> Put a health warning on her Tinder profile. <laughs> I'm not on Tinder anymore. Okay. Oh. For this week. Okay, for this week. <laughs> Haven't deleted it for the whole of 2016 then. No. no. Fair enough. Um, And so for our final thought for 2016, our last thought for the year, the last thing that we share with the world, we have our badass principles. So every week we give give you one principle that you could be living your life by, that you should know about, that you should be taking out and spreading into the world. And this is the one that we actually want you to think about for the whole of 2017. If this was how you lived your life, what would the next year look like? Nat, give us the badass principle. This week's badass principle, which I hope all of our listeners and us sitting around the table will will make happen, is radiate joy. And it's the art and practice of thinking about all of the things that make you fundamentally happy and joyful. And joy is completely different to sort of fun. It's a it's kind of a fizz. It's a it's for me, it's a high elevation of, of, of being being happy. Um, and it's to then to radiate it, to share that with someone else so that that other person feels joy too. And that person then radiates and radiates and radiates. And if, you know, if we could do that and, and turn some of the negativity of 2016 into a positive, actually, I'm going to radiate joy in your direction. Um, again, my mind needs to stop, but radiate joy in, in your direction. Then I think we'd be on to a winner. Yeah. I think that's true because I think people respond to what you give out, right? Mm. So when you put out that kind of warmth and joy into the world, that tends to be what people give you back. Yes, I'm totally, every year I turn more and more into a business hippie Mm. and I've read the book, The Art of Attraction. Anybody read Art of Attraction? Oh, you little hippie, you. (laughs) And that that is about vibrations and I've been listening to their podcast. Can you see why I I need to get my brain to stop? Because there's there's two connotations to this. I'm trying to keep it clean. Oh, oh, no, I'm thinking vibrations as in just what you think and what you put out to the world no, is no, what I you know. attract. So I if you're radiating you're joy, you're putting out good vibrations. Yeah. Which is lovely, and we all need some good vibrations in our life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, who doesn't? Maybe we'll get some good vibrations for Christmas. <laughs> Way! <laughs> so, 
I don't know what's going to be an Emma's stocking this Christmas, <laughs> but I know what I'm hoping for. <laughs> so that's us for 2016. We will be back again in 2017 with some very exciting developments, which we'll be sharing with you then. But in the meantime, do check out all the other podcasts in case you haven't heard them. Follow us on Twitter. You can follow Emma at... At Emma Sexton. And Nat at... At Nat D. Campbell. And me at Harriet Minter. And we look forward to having an amazing 2017 with all of you next year. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.